Hello and welcome to episode 209 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the vociferous League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm pretty good, Andrew Ferguson. How are you? I'm doing quite well. That's good. You know what I'd like to talk about? What would you like to talk about? I'd like to talk about manscaped.com, where they've got this deal, okay? They've got a deal on manscaped.com. If you go there and you put in the code NRL, which is exclusive to Fergo and the Freak listeners, you'll get 20% off of any purchase and free shipping, right? Yep. And so they've got this deal where you get, it's called the Perfect Package 3.0, okay? Now, in the Perfect Package 3.0, you get the Lawnmower 3.0, which is like, it is literally the best of the best for well, it's personal cutting, It's device. cutting edge technology. It, it's it's cutting edge technology, right? But it's made so that it doesn't cut anything that's vital to you. It just gets rid of your pubes. Okay. So we've got the Lumar 3.0 is in this. Okay. You've got the manscaped boxes, which are anti-chafing and cooling, and they make you they make your junk look great. Let's face it. You've got the crop preserver, which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant, which is just brilliant. I mean, you know, unbelievable. Everyone needs then you've to got, bust their nuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then you've got the crop reviver, which is a ball toner and refresher, which, like, who doesn't like having fresh balls, right? I, I like having toned nuts. Yeah, so do I. It's just brilliant. You look down at your nuts, you're like, yeah. There's some nice-looking nuts I've got. And then we've got the magic mat, right, which is a set of three disposable shaving mats. You put it down on the ground. You don't have to worry about, like, your pubes going everywhere. It's great. It's fantastic. But on top of that, you get a travel bag to put it all in. It's a really, really good package that's all about making your package better every single day. It's valued at $259, right? The actual price they're going to sell it to you for is $149.99, plus you get replacement blades every three months. But the best part of all of this is if you put in NRL as your code when you do the checkout, which is exclusive just to our listeners, you're going to get 20% off that. How good's that? That's like another 30 bucks off. Yeah, it's incredible. And free shipping. And free shipping, and you get a 30-day money-back guarantee. How good's that? Can't get much better than that. Excellent. So go to Manscaped, and it's manscaped.com. Use the code NRL. Pick up a perfect package 3.0. You'll love it. Now, speaking of things that you uh, that you love. Yeah. <laughs> Change the tone another gear here. Not by much. I don't know if we're going to go with... Peter Volandis or Phil Gould here. Let's just let's just come out with it. There's been talk today that Peter Volandis is um, very close to giving Phil Gould um, a paid role to fix the referee, so to speak. Yeah, well, I've got a problem with this, Andrew. Can I tell you what it is? Mm, please do. Phil Gould is rugby league's version of Karen. Yes. He wants to see the manager. 
He wants everyone to stop, give it attention, wants to see the manager, doesn't like that all of this is happening because they just don't like it. And that's it. It's just lots of sound, lots of words, needs to be ignored. Phil Gould is Rugby League's Karen. And the idea that they want to pay him to be Karen is beyond ridiculous to me. It's absurd. Shall we go through a few headlines over the last few years? Let's do it. All right. Gus unleashes on NRL referees' biggest problem. Phil Gould roasts bunker referees for Dragon Shark's Dufty Howler mistake. NRL 2020, Phil Gould warns pedantic referees could kill our game. Questions <laughs> the need for six again marker rule. Gus unleashes on footy farce. Video referees ruining the theatre of rugby league. <laughs> David Gallup fires up over Phil Gould attack. Yeah, we're going back that far. Yeah. Phil Gould wants NRL referees not to be trapped by new rule changes. Interferes with the game. Phil Gould slams referee at the centre of the Nene McDonald disgrace. Phil Gould erupts over bunker video referee interference. Phil Gould says officials haven't got a clue. Sick. Phil Gould drops hammer on NRL referees. Give me a year. I'll fix this referee mess for everyone, says Phil Gould. Gould lords Vlandis for referee shakeup. says it will be the first of many changes. It's refreshing. Phil Gould campaigns for referee cost cuts and one referee model. The referees are interfering. Phil Gould, Paul Vorton blasts origin officials over high penalty count. Oh, my God. Now, I've got more. These were posted by Chris Stevens. He's uh, on Twitter. He posted them today. He's a follower of mine. Chris Stevens 84 is his username, if you like that. Yeah, give him a um, follow. Yeah, give him a follow. Gould predicts death of storm. Daily, the right pedigree for origin success. Uh, and these are all by Phil Gould, right? Uh, Queensland Maroons are past their best. New South Wales can win origin too. That was wrong. Um, New South Wales cannot be beaten by Queensland in the in the 2017 Origin Series. It's time for Lockyer to consider his NRL future. These are all Phil Gould things, you know? <laughs> um, but what else have we got here? Garth Brennan, an NRL coach in the making, says Phil Gould. Uh, what else do we got? Um, and then Phil Gould set to quit Panthers. There's just, like, and you, you just look up anything. Phil Gould launches rant about obstruction rule. He's just Karen. Like, he's 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 a rugby league commentator that's there for some expert opinion, and all he does is wants to speak to the manager every single game and say how the referees are terrible and everything's terrible and the rules are bad. Like, can you imagine they want to get somebody in to sort out the referees that literally goes on television and says, I know that's the rule, but who cares? Yeah. Why would you appoint someone who has been hating officials for over a decade to come in and help them be better? He doesn't want them to be better. He doesn't want them there at all. Well, he doesn't know what he wants. Well, it's like from one thing to another. It's all schizophrenic ranting. It's like he wanted one referee. Now there's one referee and he's still not happy. When's yeah. he going to be happy? He's not going to be happy. He's Karen. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Doesn't want to be happy. No. I bet Just... he's saying all of this without a face mask as well. Out of Bunnings. <laughs> Complaining because he can't get onions. 
<laughs> he's uh, the whinging. If you took away the whinging that he does, mm. there's not much left to what he says other than false predictions. Or like in a game where I'll say, oh, this team, they look out on their feet. And then five minutes later, the other team looks out on their feet. And it's like this, this, <laughs> it's like a revisionist history, you know? <laughs> it's, he just does a revisionist history as well. And like there was, uh, I was saying to you not long ago, there was a grand finals when we were in complete shutdown. The game wasn't being played. And Sharon Owen was showing highlights of like past grand finals. And he was like, oh, I knew early in the season they were going to win the grand final. You know, it's like, what? No, you didn't. We all did. It's just, it's so silly. It's so, so silly. He was the person, he was the number one person that was against the national youth competition. He said it needed to be scrapped, that it wasn't the best way to develop players. And then just a couple of weeks ago, he said it was a bad idea to scrap the national youth competition. Now, look, you can change your mind. I'm all for people that change their mind. I think if you can't change your mind, then you're not really worth listening to. But come on, man. You can't change your mind on every single issue back and forth so that no one can ever please you. There's a word for people like that, and it's Karen. <laughs> uh, he's... Yeah, the disappointing thing is, if you listen to Phil Gould's comments from the 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. unbelievable analyst. The best. Great the insight. Best. You know, one... The one thing that made State of Origin really great in the early early to mid-2000s was that talk he did right before kickoff. He knew how to get you excited and pumped up for a game of footy. And now you listen to him, and it's just whinging and whining like an old hag. <laughs> and it's, it's really disappointing because rugby league is in a pretty bloody good place right now in, in this part of the world. And, you know, there, I wrote an article the other day on my website about the NRL chasing its own tail, trying to pull, uh, please commentators and talking heads. And, you know, the 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 higher profile people in our game, and, and Phil Gould is definitely one of them, when they are just so inconsistent with what they want from the game and... You, you get these people that are, and Phil Gould's not the only one, let's be honest here, but he's the only one that's been looked at for this sort of role at the moment. It, it, I just hate the idea that we've now got an administration that's going to be reactionary to people that are reactionary to not even long-term trends. Like there are things that we see from week to week. You know, we might see a round of games that, there are lower scoring games and so there's not enough points in the game. And then the next week, if there's a lot of high scoring games, well, there's too many points getting scored. And it's just this scattered thought process where it is the shortest term thinking possible. It's really bad for the game if it reacts to these people that are in the mainstream media every single time. And the idea that, I mean, it's bad enough that Graham Annesley is now at a point when he does his... You know, his commentary on the referees. Now he's just tossing it up. Have you seen his last couple of rants where he pulls out his pointer? No, I've stopped I've stopped paying attention to him. Because it's Graham Annesley and his Monday morning, um, you know, slideshows. 
I I feel like now I hate watch that as much as I hate watch NRL 360. Yeah. And it's on the same level of hatred. Yeah. Well, like now where Graham Annesley is at with this, this uh, referees review he's doing now, he's saying stuff like, by the rules of the game, that was the right call. But I can see where people think it's wrong. And it's like, that that's not what you're here for, Graham. That's not what this isn't supposed to be. So now he's basically doing NRL 360 sort of commentary where he's like, oh, yeah, the referee's got that right. But, eh, you know, I can see where people don't like it. It, it could be seen as wrong by some people. And it's like, that's not what you're supposed to be doing, Graham. No. It's terrible. Oh. It is he, terrible for the game. He's so frustrating. You I, know, so now we're going to have... And look, I don't think Phil Gould will take up the role because then he would have to actually, like, earn his keep doing it. And what's he going to change? He's not going to change anything. No. And he doesn't... Because he doesn't know what he wants, Yeah, any change he makes, he's then got to stick with it through thick and thin, even if everyone around him tells him it's bad. And what we've got here on another level is an issue with Peter Volandis. Because mm-hmm. no one, no one is asking for Phil Gould to be in this role. No. Or I should rephrase that. No one with any brains is asking for Phil Gould to be in this role. So what's he doing this for? And it's because someone in the media, probably Phil himself, has said, Actually, you know what? There's probably a system to this. If you want, if you want to get something to go your way in the NRL, let's say there's a three-step process. Step one: you tell Peter Volandis how great he is at running the NRL. Mm-hmm. Step two: while you're talking to Peter Volandis, you start the sentence with, "You know what would make the game even better?" Mm-hmm. Step three: you say what you want to get done. Yeah. Bam. Job done. Mm-hmm. And so I dare say, Phil goes gone up and says. Oh, Pete, you're doing such great stuff. You know what would make the game even better? If you got me in control of the refs. PVL goes, hmm, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And, you know, you look at the way that referees, his refereeing in rugby league has changed since then. Let's just go back to the Super League war, okay? Mm-hmm. Referees become full-time professional referees. Okay, so that happens. So they stop being am- basically amateurs that are paid on a game-by-game basis. All right, so we did that. Then we brought in the video referee. Okay, we did that. So now we've got replays. Then there's the bunker situation where instead of having video referees at every game, we now have one centralised thing, so it's the bunker. You you then also have a situation where we go from one referee to two referees. Okay, then we go back to one referee again. Right, we get rid of the touch judges and replace them with referees. Okay. So it's not like we haven't had changes to the refereeing. And we're still at this place where you get people in the media whinging about referees. There is literally no way that you will ever, 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 ever make those people happy because it is way easier to just whinge about referees or yeah. even get to the point where you're like, well, I just don't like that rule. It is way easier to do that than to analyze the game. Yeah, and why? Because it's it's easy content. Yep. Like, you can fall back on that. Whenever there's a slow news week, let's just shit on the referees. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter what change you make, there is always something to whinge about when it comes to officiating the game because 
referees are humans. They make mistakes. And they make way less mistakes than the other people on the field, which are the players. Exactly. And they make, they make less mistakes than their predecessors. Way, and, way less. And this, this obsession with going back to what referee was like when Bill Harrigan was referee, you know, they talk about how he used to only call three or four penalties in a game. If you're only calling three or four penalties in a game, you're not doing your job properly because there's always going to be more than that. Yeah, and it's just, it's a lie. Like, it is a lie. It's a lie. It this this idea that we were ever at a stage in rugby league history where games had, you know, one or two penalties and it was all wonderful and, you know, the game, it was just, it's just a lie. It doesn't exist. No. Man, I've seen some results in the past from overseas and in Australia where there was like 30, 30 odd penalties in a game and, you know, 40 odd scrums in a game. That's what people want to go back to? Contested scrums that break down and become a penalty every time? Wow. They sit there and complain about scrums and penalties or penalties today and how there's so many of them, you know, especially, was it 2018 when they were, they were trying to crack down on it? Mm-hmm. Um, Talking about how it's turning it into rugby union. Need to go back to when we had less, you know, less interference from referees and go on. Referees have less interference now than ever before. Yep. Let's talk now that they want to scrap the bunker. Just yeah. and like absurd. But they make really one is. or two bad decisions every weekend out of what, forty, fifty? But like, how bad? How bad? Like most of the time, how many decisions do you watch the bunker have to go? And it's been very apparent since we've come back. There's been a good dozen decisions that they've had to rule on at, at the bunker, where I've been like, "Wow, I'm glad I don't have to make this decision because I'm not sure what I would do." You know, it is literally a fifty-fifty call, and in most cases, they have to award it the way that the referee. Interpreted it, interpreted it in full speed yes. when they made the initial call. Um, you know, there were a couple of howls on the weekend, and I'm the first person to say it's unforgivable, right? When you make a proper mistake, like say happened in the St George versus um, Sharks, Sharks game, that was a real bad, bad, bad mistake, and that video referee should have been dropped for that. You shouldn't be making that mistake. But then, like I saw the talking head saying, well, why don't they just take a little bit more time to make a decision? And it's like, you were literally saying that they take too long to make decisions. Not that long ago. Oh, they they have to look at it so many times. Can't they just see it once and make a decision? I'm I'm pretty sure now they've got a KPI on how long they're allowed to take. And it's because people whinge about how long they took. Yeah. So because they whinge so much, they put a KPI on there to make them, do it quicker mm-hmm. and now they're doing it quicker they're now making mistakes mm-hmm. so it's <laughs> they can't win either way and this is why peter volandis needs to stop listening to the whinging morons in the mainstream media it's always the same old fucking dinosaurs doing it too yeah yap 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 about the referees don't listen to them okay listen to the referees they're the only people you need to listen to. Let them have control over the how, how the game should be officiated. Yeah, they're I, the professionals. We did it in 2018 at the start of the year there. They were cleaning up the ruck. You know, the, the game was being tidied up. 
And yeah, any time you get to tidy up something in the game, there will be growing pains because it will slow the game down. There will be a lot of penalties, but the long-term goal is a genuine improvement. Yeah. And they listen to Gould in his whinging and Buzz in his whinging, calling it a shit game now and all this sort of crap, and it's turning into rugby unit sort of bullshit. And so Greenberg, you know, spinelessly decided to roll it back and say, oh, you just call some of the penalties some of the times. And all that did was just invite um, inconsistencies. And that's what you get now. Yep, 100%. And the thing is, too, that now that we're down to one referee, the one referee can't watch everything. There's just too much going on. And so when they do see an infringement in the ruck, it, it is so random that I, I had somebody say to me the other day, it was it's like getting the free goes on a poker machine. It comes out of nowhere. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you just get your six again. It just happens, you know? And that's why a lot of the time you'll be watching the game and be like, what is that six again for? That looked fine. It's because the referee is having to watch so many things. If it just happens to be the moment he glances over and sees something happening in the ruck, while he's trying to make sure everyone's on side... You know, while he's watching everything else, while he's, you know, looking after the game clock and everything like that, there's only so much one person can do. And both sides are trying to take advantage of him for 80 whole minutes. Like, of course, the referees are going to find it difficult to make sure that the ruck is at its best and that those penalties or those six again calls that they give are consistent because they've got too much to do right now. And the best thing to do would be to put another referee out there. And eventually that call will come. Like, you know that that call is going to come where they're going to say, you know what, we should have a referee that just watches the ruck and he's the only one that can call six again. It will happen. There's no pleasing these people in the media. And unfortunately, we've got somebody that's running the game now who all he wants to do is please the media. Exactly. And that's... (sighs) It's it's led to a lot of issues. You know, we had the drama with the TV rights still being renegotiated before it ended for less. Mm-hmm. Um, this crap. Um, the, the the rule changes, whether they're good or not for the game, is irrelevant. There was no need for them, and they happened mid season. Yeah, like the the six the six again the the tackle restart. Everyone was louding it as well, this great idea, and sure enough, a few months later, people starting to criticise it. They're now looking at certain referees who do it more often than others, and they're trying to find a way to tag referees as being part of the problem again through that method. It just doesn't end. And it, and it will never end. And it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to run a game that is that sticks by rugby league, this sport? and that wants consistency out of its officials, or do you want to keep blowing up the system, keep making our officials have to change rules on the fly mid-season, and then every off-season change the rules again, and then change the entire structure of how we blood our officials, change them so that now we have referees running the sidelines instead of touch charges. There's no way to now blood young officials, and it's like... Is that the end goal? 
Because if they want inconsistency, guess what they're doing? They're doing the very best thing you could do to make it the most inconsistent environment for the match officials. And it's terrible for them. And these poor match officials, they can't say anything about it. They can't come out and say, look, you you are making our jobs super difficult. And Graham Annesley, can you stop breaking down what we're doing to the point where you're now saying that even our good decisions could be criticised and seen as wrong by some people. It's so bad for the game. Oh, it is. It's it's so tedious too. Like we got to the point where, like many people know, like last year especially, we were complaining about this mainstream media problem a fair bit. Mm-hmm. And we got to the point of, well, we were saying before we recorded an episode, let, let's not talk about the, the media anymore. It's, it's getting a bit rehashed, and we haven't done, really gone near it for months. Yeah. But it wasn't because we don't want to. It's just it's... Uh, it's the worst part of the whole rugby league experience. It really is. And I've said to people, like... If you want to, because I've seen people saying, look, I, I'm not enjoying the game because of all of this stuff that goes on around it. And I've said to them, if you stop reading the rugby league news, if you stop reading it completely, stop following the journos, you will enjoy rugby league immediately. You know, stop watching the pregame shows even. I don't watch the pregame shows very often because they're terrible. Um, it's bad enough that you see what they say at half time. And it really is like it's it takes away from your enjoyment of the game. And if you just watch rugby league, if you just watch the sport that you love, it's great. It's entertaining. You start loving the game. You start enjoying these teams. You start enjoying the different players. But if you go through the media and you you are reading garbage all week, you get to game day and you're like, Oh, I don't like him. I don't like that. I don't like this. And, and it takes away your enjoyment of the game because you're being told every single day for leading up to the game that it's terrible. Everything's going wrong. No one knows what they're doing and the referee's going to ruin the game for you. Yeah. And then, yeah, analysts, absolute professionals spend most of the game bitching about the referees. Yeah, which is really weird to me. Like, there's so many different things you can watch in a rugby league match and really break them down. Like, rugby league's one of those really cool sports that there's different ways to win a game. There's different styles can win a game. Sometimes a team will turn up and they just, for whatever reason, they put one on the opposition. It can be unpredictable in the results. We're very lucky to have a sport like this that, like, it's a brutal sport. You know, it's it's a beautiful sport. It's a fast sport. It's exciting. You can be watching a game and see somebody do something athletically that you can't believe. You can see somebody use sleight of hand that you, you, they score a try and you're like, what just happened there? I need to see the replay. There's not many sports in the world that you can throw all that together with. Rugby league is one of them. And for all of the complaining that you see in the mainstream media about this amazing sport, it just doesn't line up with what we're seeing on the field and what rugby league actually is. No, fully agree with you, mate. Fully agree. Um, and, you know, you do hear some people say, you know, I'll just ignore it, just ignore it. But there comes to a point when we all realise that ignoring it doesn't stop it from happening. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we've got to speak up and let them know that 
we don't like what, the way they're reporting on the game. And the other thing is, too, for some people, like, like for, for a lot of people that listen to this podcast and a lot of people that you and me know, they're beyond rugby league fans. They're, they're kind of rugby league tragics, okay? They're, they're watching all the games. They're, you know, they know all the players and stuff. The vast majority of people that take our sport in are casual fans, who all they get is what the mainstream media gives them. You know, they're not looking to read up on the... They don't care about the team lists. They don't care about the injury reports. They're thinking, oh, I might chuck the footy on. We'll see what's happening. It might be a good game. If all those people are getting is being told that the game's poorly run, that the referees are terrible, that they're costing the the team's games, that's the only message they're hearing. And that message needs to change. Because it's not based in reality. No, that's right. It just isn't. Um, and I mean, this is the problem we get with the media nowadays, and it it does go beyond the NRL media. It's mm. just media everywhere. Oh you know, yeah. Mi- misery and misery and tragedy and you know criticism and anger and shit like that. Negativity. It gets more clicks and gets more sales. Raising the profile of Karens around the world who are going into Bunnings and whinging about you can't get onions and I've got to wear a mask and it ruins my breathing and this, you know, I've got rights and all this stuff. And we're seeing the worst examples in mainstream media. And it's just, as you say, it's a continuation in the rugby league media for the most part in that we're getting the worst examples in a lot of cases, and it's bad for the sport. It is. It's. I wish. I wish Peter Vellini's would use that. Um, you know, he's got that attitude of "I'll just do this my way." Mm-hmm. I wish he would use that attitude to sort out the media instead of pandering to it as often as he does. Yeah, and, and you know, there's been. We've seen a lot of journalists over the last few weeks saying, oh, you know what, I'm at this press after-game press conference and I'm the only person in the print media and what a shame that is. It's such a shame. And it's like, is it really, though? Is it really? Yeah, like, especially in the rugby league print media, a lot of them have made that bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem I've got with that is too many of the people who don't deserve to be let go are the ones being let go in order to accommodate these highly paid whinges. Yeah, and that is a problem. That's the bit that sucks. You know, we've got these, you know, Buzz and Gus and all those old fucking dinosaurs still out there getting paid good coin to keep whinging and shitting on the game. Mm-hmm. Yet Big League magazine had to go and fold. Yeah, and Rugby League Week had to go as well. Exactly. And it's interesting. You, you see some of the some of the different writers from these publication, publications have gone out and continued what they would do for those publications, and it's great to see, and that's why if you see good writing, you should support it. Um, but it, it unfortunately is no longer what the mainstream media outlets are interested in. They're far more interested in reactionary garbage um, they're far more interested in the negatives. They're far more interested in the arguments that they have amongst themselves 
rather than the game. You know, it's why you can go on a lot of the mainstream media sites and you can see, you know, the story is that this, you know, this talking head had an argument on this show with this talking head. And it's like, what, why aren't we talking about the game of rugby league here? Yeah, and that's the bit that really does suck. Yeah. Just whinging. And yeah, it's it's kind of hypocritical because we're sitting here whinging about the media's whinging, but, you know, we're not whinging about the game. No. I think it's fair to call out problems in the game when you see them. Um, oh, definitely. I think it but, has to happen, but the thing yeah. is, People don't need to be hit over the head with it. And, and you've got to be able to time. back it up. You've got to be able to back it up too. That's the thing. Like, I know anything you and me say about the game that is critical. We can sit here for another hour talking about that one thing. Like, why why do we think that eligibility rules need tightened up? Man, we could go for four hours on that, you yeah. know? And also discuss ways to fix the problem, like offer solutions. That's that's yeah. constructive. Mm-hmm. But like we've seen with Phil Gould in the past, you know, oh, give me a lunch break and I'll fix this referee's problem. And you ask him, and I did ask him on Twitter, how would you fix it? No answer. Yeah. Like, if you're willing to do it for free, Phil, as was suggested, then you're not losing anything by telling everybody in, on the pub, in the public area how you would do it. Mm-hmm. Just put it out there. Fact is, he doesn't want to do it for free. He probably had plenty of opportunities to go and sit in the NRL and take on a job where he could have been a, um, you know, helping with the rules committee or helping with some other committee here or there. But I wouldn't be surprised if those roles were voluntary. And he went, no, I don't want to give my time to something like that for free. And you know what? That's fair enough. But don't sit there and be critical about something if you're not willing to help out when an opportunity presents itself. And the thing is, too, like, if if the thought is, oh, we're going to get a former coach in that is going to give the referees a perspective, we did that. We've done that before. And nobody liked it. Mm. They said that it was a terrible idea. By the time Robert Finch left, they're like, this is a bad idea, you know? Yeah. It's It's... That there is going to be no pleasing, and so it needs to be left to the referees. I would love Peter Valandis to come out and say, "I back the referees one hundred percent, and anything they do, I back it." Yeah. And if somebody says, "But, but what about, but, but what about?" He says, "Now nah, I back it. I've said my piece. They've got my full backing." I would love to see that. It's not going to happen, though. It's never going to happen. Either that, if you're going to have someone come in to help the referees or something, get a former referee in. Get it, get, let the current referee sort it out. Of course. Like, but, you know, you, and when I say get a former referee, I must make it very clear, never get Bill Harrigan back again. Because <laughs> people in the mainstream media, especially News Limited guys, they lobbied hard for Bill Harrigan to get in there. Mm-hmm. And then they lobbied hard for him to be sacked. They really did. And that's the thing, you can't please them. The thing is, you cannot put a personality in a role that doesn't require it. No, you know, and, and you don't this need personalities trying to tell the referees how to do their job. You need someone who can go in there and tell them how to do their job from their perspective. And that's why it's got to be a referee who was only ever a referee, not someone to try and build a media fucking career. Exactly. And look, the referees, it, it, 
the referees know that in an ideal world, they go out there, they call a game, no one mentions them during the game, no one mentions them after the game, no one knows their name, they leave the field, no one pays attention to them. They understand that. Like, these are experts in rugby league. They don't live in a different a different universe from us. They're rugby league supporters. They have been all their life. This is the way they're involved in the game. They love what they do. They love it so deeply, right? And so they know what is needed. And, and they know what they w- would like to happen for referees is for them to all basically be anonymous on the field. And they all, they've, they'll talk about it. When you talk to them, they'll say, like, the ideal game is that no one even notices I'm out there. You can't have that up against somebody that wants to have PowerPoint presentations every Monday. This is exactly right. Um, uh, it's just... It's just frustrating. It who, really who could, is. Who could be someone who could come in and help the referees with whatever issues they've got? I'm happy to... I'm happy to just have the people that are there running it now. You know? And just, but just let them run it. Don't keep interfering. How many times have we got to interfere with the number one, the rules, number two, the way that we tell the referees to interpret those rules, and and then number three, like the entire structure of refereeing in rugby league. Like we changed it mid-season. It's silly. I fully agree. I can't believe that. You know, and now we're at the point where it's like they're tossing up. Or oh, will we get rid of the bunker? And that. You know, at some point, rugby league has to stop and say, this is what rugby league is. You know, this is what the sport is. And if you don't like it, fuck off. (laughs) This whole chasing perfection from the officials and no one else, that shit's got to end. It really does. The perfect rugby league game would be so fucking boring. The perfect rugby league game would be rugby union. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man let's be I, honest I just, uh, look I, it's super frustrating it's super super frustrating and you know it just keeps happening there's so many cool things to talk about in rugby league and you know instead we have to jump on here and talk about this shit because it's unavoidable and if we don't talk about it who else is going to because the mainstream media are up their own asses. Well, that's right. We've got to provide some sort of balance against that bullshit. Um, now, another news story um, to do with Peter Volandis and another decision he's making on the fly is he's looking at allowing, for this year only, unique situation where a Toronto Wolfpack players can hold an NRL contract at the same time as their Toronto one. Now, these rules were brought in where you couldn't have two different rules with two different organisations because what we were having when the NRL was unfunded by its media organisations who are a bunch of parasites and they were undermining the game's earning capacity, um, we had players that were underpaid for what they were doing on the field. And they were going to the NRL and saying, look, we want to stay in the NRL but we can earn more money if we play three months of Japanese rugby union in the off-season 
than we can under our NRL contracts. So can we do that, please? And the NRL said, no, we're not going to allow that. And it was for good reason. You know, you want to integ- you want to protect the integrity of the NRL competition. You don't want to have clubs being going to plays and saying, look, we can only give you $500,000 a year, but we've lined you up a $600,000 a year contract to play two months of rugby union in Japan. You know, so it's a way to protect the salary cap as well. It also gets rid of things where, you know, what is the priority of a player? Um, you want them fully focused on a rugby league career. You also don't want your superstars of the game going off and joining rugby union ranks. So that's why this rule was brought in place. Now, Peter Valencia is going to chuck it out for one player, 35-year-old former forward. And it is so short-sighted, I can't believe that anybody would think it would happen. He's also looking to change the rules where you have to be, I believe it's a 17-year-old, to play in the NRL. Correct. They've got this this 16-year-old player that South Sydney looks like they're going to hold on to. They're going to give him a longer-term deal for way less than Rugby Union was going to give him per season. Um, And they're going to look to allow him to play in the the top competition as a 16-year-old. Now, these rules are brought in place for a reason, to protect these players, to protect them from being injured, to protect them from being exposed to the massive pressures that come from being a first-grade player. Peter Volandes has said, oh, look, sometimes rules are made to be, you know, broken. No, they're not. That's what rules are. You know, you go and watch Deadpool 2. That's what rules are. Even Colossus knew that. Oh, Sometimes rules are meant to be broken. Oh. It's literally why we have rules, so you don't break them. Exactly. Yeah. If they're not rules, then they're guidelines. Because guidelines are flimsy. If you can the, work with a guideline, but rules are a different thing. Yeah, they're clear, and, they're black and white. There's no grey area with the rule. And the thing is, like, these rules didn't just get put in place for no reason. They were really well thought out and they were put in place for really, really, really good reasons. And it's crazy to me to think that you just have someone that runs the game that comes along and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, but, you know, they're rules. They're made to be broken, aren't they? (laughs) Sounds like an American banker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't believe where we're at sometimes with the game where it's like, the sport's so cool, but it's run by idiots. Yeah, and it just keeps hiring more and more of them. Yeah. Uh, Why can't they hire us? We're idiots. Yeah. We're we're loudmouths. We can do this shit. Yeah. Can you imagine us doing the Monday bloody PowerPoint presentations? Oh, yeah. uh, You know, Mr fucking gold Rolex there with his, you know, laser pointer. I'll turn up with my five watches on and say, right, today we're going to talk about the referees. Okay, any questions? <laughs> and then I'll walk out as they start asking questions. I would turn up with my um, my lightsaber instead of the PowerPoint, you know, pointer, the laser pointer. Oh, and yes. my entire presentation would be how, like, just thick and rich Gavin Badger's beard looks and be like, we can see here Gavin Badger. He's sporting the beard again this week. Very nice, Gavin. (laughs) It's a lovely beard. 
We see here in the rain the water pouring off of Gavin Badger's beautiful beard. Stunning, stunning yeah. beard. Yeah, it'd be great. My PowerPoint presentations would be way better. More people would watch it. I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah. We should probably start doing this. <laughs> My bank account's ready. Let's just get into that, I reckon. Um, yeah. There's... Something needs to change, and it needs to come from the NRL. And at the moment, we don't have the right person at the at the top mm-hmm. to properly, um, I suppose, manage the media. Because he loves he loves getting the praise in the media. Yeah. Makes him all gooey and giggly. You know, Ooh, they we... said nice stuff about me again. <laughs> I mean Buzz, yeah. Buzz was saying that this is getting this this decision to make feel good, you know, refs, whatever it is, is Volandi's worst decision in twenty years. He hasn't been there for twenty years. No, he's talking about in his entire career. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So he's he's made no bad decisions in his time in the racing industry. See, I don't, I don't know because I don't I don't watch horse racing. Hey. Oh, I don't know either. But uh, it seems I don't know. It seems like it's uh, a bit of a, a bit of a long shot. They did bring in that race. What the uh, the Everest Gold Cock. Yeah, oh. the Everest, that was it. <laughs> the gold cock. The gold cock. You know, uh, I saw another thing today that got me. And I'm not going to say who wrote it, because fuck them. But they're winching about how much money NRL players get and how outrageous it was. Oh, this again. Yeah. Apparently and there's been talk that um, what David Feeder's contract has... Sparked calls for rugby league players' salaries to be known to the public. Yeah, and you know the best thing to do to anybody that wants to know player salaries, how ask them how much they earn, and watch them say that's none of your business. No one has yet given me a valid reason as to why we need to know player salaries. Yeah, I've been told, oh, they do it in the NBA and the NFL. I mean, that's not a reason. Mm-hmm. That's just an example of someone who does it. Mm. What do we need to know? Also, that fans can know, you know, how well clubs are managing salary caps. I mean, what can fans do about the salary cap? There's no point for us to know about that. That's yeah. for the clubs. And furthermore, we've seen and heard enough already about third-party arrangements and all that sort of shit to know that not one single fan is going to understand how the fuck the salary cap works, even with all the figures in front of us. Clubs don't understand it because they keep going over. <laughs> Maybe they understand it, and that's why they keep going over. Well, that's true, um, too. You know, they've all got they've all got about ten million bucks to spend, and they spend it, and some of them are better at spending it than others. And you know, that's it. That's all you really need to know. Yeah. I mean, the other thing was they put out a list I, I saw the other day of the one hundred highest played players in the NRL, and they put the player's name and the salary there. And I thought, why is the media sitting there saying demanding that all players' salaries should be known to the public? Mm. And then the media goes and prints their salaries anyway. Yeah. It's a weird one. Well, have they been given approval to put a player's salary up there? But they either know or they don't. So, like, like, I would like to see a list of how much each NRL mainstream media person earns. 
Break yeah, them in, an, in a list from that. one to 50, whatever it is. They'll never give you that. They'll do this thing. What do they say? It's uh, not in the public interest. That's yeah. what they'll say. But it is in the public interest to know what every well, single rugby league player in fucking every single level earns out of the game. If, so go away. I, if, I, I, I don't care, hey. No, if, if we, you and I, the public, are interested in how much these mainstream media people ask, that thereby renders that uh, argument null and void, doesn't it? You'd think so. Well, you know, I'd like to know how much Phil Rothfield earns because he's he and his contemporaries have told us how much 100 NRL players earn. Fair's fair. So, I, like, I don't really care what any of them earn. And I was going on about this no, today. Neither, neither I, do I. But if it's yeah. good enough for them to reveal someone else's salary, then they should be able to go and... They should have theirs published as well. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. It's... um. It's crazy to me, and like people saying that, you know, it shouldn't be happening. Rugby, it shouldn't be happening in rugby league where a guy can earn one point two million dollars a year. That is literally the reason why the sport exists. You know, they didn't meet in a in bloody Huddersfield at a hotel in eighteen ninety five to not earn money. They were all meeting because they were like, "Fellas, we're gonna earn some money doing this," like. That's why rugby league basically exists, so that players could earn money to play sport, and that's where we're at today. And it's great. And I got to say, I'm one of these people. And you see some of people that are jealous of players. Man, I'm the complete opposite. I love it when I see them earning massive money. It's like you, you did it, dude. You, you won. You won at life. David well, Fafita, as a twenty year old, he's going to earn one point two million bucks a year for the next few years. Man, that is cool that is so cool and he did it because of rugby league i reckon it's awesome well it shows you how good the game is that that it can do that for a 20 year old yeah it's fantastic it really is so it's i don't know it's perverse how people want to know what a player earns it's completely pointless there is no genuine justification as to why they need to know and surely Athletes deserve to have some part of their lives private. It would be nice, wouldn't it? There are people people like fucking Sam Burgess can even have his own bloody, you know, marital status kept private. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like, you know, sometimes you feel sorry for the players because they just get piled on. And it's not by fans. I don't think it's mostly by fans, hey? Nah, it's the, it is the media. The media pushes all this agenda crap, and the fans just, you know, the the dim-witted fans will follow what the mainstream media is saying. Which I must say, I think that the number of fans following the mainstream media lead is reducing dramatically every year. I think people yeah, are getting I, a lot I, smarter. Yeah, and, you know, people, you see more and more of them say questioning what they're hearing as well. And that's always good to see. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's always good when you see, and we, we, you've seen on a massive basis, sometimes somebody will write something and it's like, you know, how dare they say this, you, you know, and it's, it's good when you see that in my opinion. No, I fully agree. Fully agree. Um, so it's good to see that, that people are like that, and 
I'm not saying you need to listen to, you know, every naysayer out there against the mainstream media. You make up your own mind. That's the main thing. Sometimes the mainstream media says something right. Sometimes they get it wrong. But don't swallow everything they fucking feed you and take it as gospel. Yeah. Look into it yourself and make your own decision. That's the best way to go about it. We saw it with that bullshit fucking James Hooper put out about the balance sheets. <laughs> people, so stupid. Too many people swallowed that, and they still yeah. they still believe it. Yeah. Dick, you can't even fucking read a balance sheet. Jesus Christ. But you know, I was listening to... Uh, it's funny you brought up him. Uh, I was listening to... He's on Triple M, I believe. And I was just driving back from a porter, as you do. And uh, he, he was on there... On, and I think it was Sunday, and they've got a bunch of other people on there, and one of the other people was um, Gordon Tallis. And James Hooper's on there eating into the microphone, and he says, to, and the Gordon Tallis is talking about the Gold Coast Titans, and he says to Gordon Tallis, you know, he says something to him, and he goes, you, you're part of the organisation, aren't you, Gordy? And Gordon Tallis is like, no, I'm just a fan. And it was like, how, does you, how do you not know this? You're sitting next to him. You talk to him every weekend. How do you not know? But it was just funny to me that it just reminded me of it because I'm like, this guy's eating into the microphone asking Gordon Tallis about working for the Titans and he doesn't work for the Titans. You think you'd know his own co-workers, you know, goings on. I know, right? It shows they can't even research their own bloody partners that they work with. (laughs) Hey, should we uh, read some emails? Have we got any we, more news? We should. Let's, no, no, that's it. Let's, let's, let's do something more entertaining. Okay. Oh, there was a, a rumour today. Mm. Well, it's not really a rumour today. It's going around a bit. That uh, the Broncos were looking to get rid of Anthony Milford and uh, Jack Bird, right? Oh, yes. Now, Jack Bird, very difficult to get rid of Jack Bird because he's on a big salary and he's just injury prone, terribly injury prone. But Anthony Milford um, feels like a West Tigers play to me. I think I'm, I'm starting to come around to the uh, Michael Maguire method. I think he might be looking past that stuff now. Really? Mm. We haven't been linked to a lot of plays lately, and that's a bit odd. Because this is. is the time of year when players are looking at new contracts and they come yeah. off contract and everyone's linked to the Tigers, and no one's linked to the Tigers anymore. I know, and that's why I was like, it, but Milford, I mean, this this feels very Tigerish, you know. He, they play the Broncos pay a little bit of his salary. They get him on. He's still probably on overs. His form's been pretty questionable. It, I just felt like he was a West Tiger in the making. You know where he's going to go? Where? Bulldogs with Trent. Oh yeah, that's where. That's the sort of signing they're going to make. What if you had Milford next to uh, Foran? Oh, no, he'll let Foran go. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we, don't Foran someone, go. we don't have someone who actually is good at what they do. Yeah. That's Even though point. he may be a bit injury prone. That's a good point. We don't want someone like that here. Let's get Milford in here. Think of the combination he can make with um, Curtis Scott. Mm-hmm. Oh. Have Curtis Scott on one side, Kerrit Holland on the other. Kotrick playing fullback. Hey, that's magic. You know, I was I I saw an article and I didn't read the fucking thing. I did, I did the worst thing. I just read the the thing, the intro, and it said that uh, Trent Barrett's looking to 
bring the success model that the Penrith Panthers have to the Bulldogs. <laughs> and I, I tweeted, like, have the biggest junior base on planet Earth and turn up when things are going good. Like, <laughs> that's because that's all he's done. He hasn't been there for it. Yeah. But those are two things that he's not doing right when he's when it comes to the Bulldogs geek. Yeah. It's like, seriously, the things... If, if somebody said, what are the things that made Penrith successful this year compared to other years... The junior base is just spitting out really good players where it's like a, an embarrassment of riches can't even keep all of them. Having the, I don't know what you'd call it, fortune that at one point the coach that you had, his son just turns into the best young halfback in the game. And even though you sack that guy, you somehow managed to get him back and keep his son at the club. Like that's some sort of miracle right there. And then on top of that, you, they just happen to unearth like someone like Kikau, who's this bloody Fijian like superhero. <laughs> you, you know, like is are these the blueprints for success that other clubs can really try and replicate? <laughs> it's not one I, I'd imagine that the Bulldogs would be able to get away with. No, not with no, Trent not at, at the all. Hell. It's so funny. Uh, anyway. So we've got some emails. We've got uh, Nui Ash. He's messaged us a couple of times. He said, uh, the Brisbane Turnstile's biggest problem is clearly their non-existent defence. What can Paul Green do to fix this when he takes over next season? Is there an issue with the defensive coaching staff? No, I think the issue, looking at them, is there is no communication in that back line whatsoever. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so people are just going out doing what they think they need to do. And you're seeing part of the Brisbane's defensive line will slide sometimes and other parts of it are stationary. Yeah. And when you've got that going on, fucking gaps galore. Yeah. Um, their centres, Darius Boyd and whoever it is they have a pick on the other centre because that changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, half the time they're guessing. Mm-hmm. Boyd tends to stay back too much. And then when he decides to go out, of the line and try and shut down a play. He either gets there too early or too late. Yeah. Just creates another gap and it isolates the wingers. Um, the middle defense, it's patchy. At times it's solid and you can't mm-hmm. get through it. And then other times players walk through it, literally walk through it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more of an application issue. I don't think there's anywhere near enough communication on the field. You see it every time they've let a try and they're just standing around quiet. That's a bad sign. Um, I don't know how to fix that, but they need to get some energy into that team. They're playing. They are so flat right now. They really are. And I I tend to think that with a a defense, like what you're seeing from them, a, a good defensive team, they've got, a philosophy that the coach puts in place and it, it, it can be if you break it down to its lowest level it can be an up and in defense it can be a sliding defense it can be but then you've got layers on top of that you know and when you look at the broncos as you say they're all over the place and to me that says that the coach hasn't instilled whatever his defensive philosophy or, or the philosophy that is the best use of their personnel should be. Um, and I think that <clears throat> that you see that out wide more than anything, whereas in the middle of the field, and I, I've talked about this a little bit, I, I just think that they're putting so many 
prop forwards out there and, and they need some more mobile players that and the look the props they've got are very mobile for props but they're still props and and between that you've got a, a few older players out there then you've got the you throw in the injuries then you throw in the out wide that you know they're they're just all over the place because they haven't got that defensive philosophy as a team that they've got in place and it, it, what you get at the end result is a team that is just as you, as you say you can you can run through the middle of them at times you can find them uh lacking out wide at times they're making bad decisions out wide and you know it i don't i think that a different coach would be able to fix that and i think that it is still the best job that any young coach could want um is paul green the guy for that that role i don't know um i think paul green needs to take a year off I think that would be the best thing for him. If I was Paul Green, I would say don't get – because that Broncos role has a lot of pressure in it. And if Paul Green took that role, I think that people or the media would be like, okay, this is going to be more – This is he's going to be our coach for 20 years. He's our Wayne Bennett 2.0 now. And it, it it's almost like the Parramatta halfback situation where you're on a hide to nothing. And I think for Paul Green, he might be better off just waiting for a better situation for him. Yeah, I I generally think that's that's the way forward. There's talk that he could be in the running for the Warriors gig. Mm-hmm. The Warriors have been turning down coaches nearly every every day at the moment. They turned so, down uh, uh, Jeff Tuvey, hey? Yeah, which was interesting. He didn't fit um, that criteria, apparently. Yeah, God knows what their criteria was. Um, yeah, and like beggars can't be choosers, hey? The widely touted Walker brothers, who gets linked to every current coaching job, also got turned turned down again. I oh, did they? How come the media is talking about the, the Walker brothers mm-hmm. so highly, yet no NRL club wants to hire them to coach their team? It's a good question. I guess, I mean, it's a... Look, it's bad enough when you've got to sack one coach, let alone when you've got to sack two coaches, and every coach gets sacked. Even Phil uh, Wayne Bennett's got sacked. Um, you know, so there's that situation. Um, what happens if you get the two of them in and you realise only one of them's a good coach? Yeah, I don't know. There's there's just something odd about that. I'm, I'm, this is not a criticism of them because I've not seen any of their work to understand what it is that makes them so great in the media's eyes. Yeah. And I'm surprised that the mainstream media we're talking up all the time have actually paid enough attention to the game at a level other than the NRL. Mm. Even then, they don't pay much attention to what goes on in the field there anyway. To actually understand what it is that the Walker brothers do that's so unique. Yeah. But for some reason, NRL clubs don't want them. Like, they've been linked to a few, and they were linked to the Titans. They didn't get that one. Um... I think they were they were being briefly looked at at the Broncos when you know they were deciding whether they wanted Seabold or not. I don't know if that was true, and it was a rumor I heard at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Warriors. There's probably been a few other clubs that have been pushed towards. I guess oh, there's also it? the thing of like, and, and I'm just tossing out a nubby here, but just say you want to get a coach, and you say we'll pay. And I'll, I'll just I'll just make up a thing. So you say you want to get Jeff Tuvey. 
He he is who you're deciding between or the Walker brothers. Jeff Tuvey waits wants eight hundred thousand dollars to coach your club. Would the are the Walker brothers coming for four hundred thousand dollars each? I doubt it. So maybe they're just pricing themselves out. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if they can do that given they've they've got no NRL experience as coaches. Like they're not going to be able to put on there a marquee price tag for themselves when no one's taken them before. I yeah, think they'd probably be the cheapest option you've got available. But you still got to pay for both of them. That's the thing, you know. True. Like if yeah. it was just one of them, that'd be way less money than what it's for two of them. Unless, and maybe that's just price themselves out of it. Unless they're selling themselves as a package deal. Yeah, but even then, like say say you you wanted to sign one of them and you were a cheap club and there's plenty of cheap clubs out there but say you were like we'll give you 500,000 to coach the club right i doubt that you're going to get them both for 500,000 and i might be wrong i might be really wrong but i just doubt it I, you know the other thing that i wonder is you know how football clubs they don't they're always wary about where the power lies and I wonder if there are club CEOs out there that are like, I'm not going to have two coaches versus me, the one CEO. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. Mm. It's just it's just something that I've been wondering about. It just seems odd that they constantly get looked over. It as is, said, yeah. It's, as I said, it's not a criticism. I just I don't understand what it is that no one wants to be. And if they're talked about so highly and they keep getting turned down, it just seems odd. Um, so given that it's not going to be those, those two options, mm-hmm. who else is on the market and what the hell is there, is there, um, criteria? Yeah. You got to wonder, like, like Tuvi, I guess it, I wouldn't say Tuvi's too old. That's number one. He's definitely experienced. He's definitely had winning experience. Yeah, is like he doesn't have a prem. He doesn't have premiership winning experience as a coach, but he definitely has it as a player. I wonder if what they're after is someone who can develop junior football as well in the area, which is something I you could probably criticise and say that Tuvi hasn't got much experience at that. Mm-hmm. I don't he's know. pretty much just working with the limited roster at the time. Yeah, I, I look, I don't know, but man, if Jeff Tuvey isn't right for them, they're going to sign someone that's bloody good. I I think they should genuinely get Tim Sheens for three years. I think they should get Sean Wayne because the world needs laughter right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me, you'll be at the Bulldogs in two years' time. <laughs> 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 so Ash sent us another email it's a really good one this one okay what genuine role do you think Mr. Philip Ronald Gould played in getting the Panthers into the position they currently find themselves in despite the volumes of sanctimonious vapid drivel that spill from his mouth it seems to me that some of the things he bangs on about in terms of the Panthers use development and pathways are coming to fruition and playing big dividends I'll give him credit for the stuff 
that he's involved with the the, the juniors level, mm-hmm. um, the juniors are always going to be there. Yeah, but the pathway to get them into the NRL was an important thing, and he's made sure that they come into the NRL and they're NRL ready. Unlike a lot of other clubs where they just bring a junior in and go, let's just see if he sinks or swims. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I can definitely give credit to Phil Gould on. Um, I'm not a Panthers fan, so I don't follow them as closely as you do. Is there, what are your I, thoughts? I would say that when he came into the role, we desperately needed a figurehead that was given the power that he was given to change absolutely anything and everything that needed changed. Um, and he did a remarkable job at do, making a lot of changes that really needed to happen. So, I mean, the junior development thing, it's like, you know, it's like having a mountain full of gold and we stopped mining that mountain and and it just wasn't producing any gold. And he basically started the mine back up again. Um, and and that, that cannot be underestimated. It is a it is massive natural resource we have in our juniors. It is our number one resource. It is, I think, the number one reason that we belong in the NRL. And and he got that going again. So I think that that's massive, um, and that shouldn't be underestimated. There's also the the thing of like he come in, worked out that Matthew Elliott had to go and got rid of him really quickly. He uh, made changes to the lineup that I didn't agree with a lot of them. But and look at it, you know you're going back a certain number of years now. It's the, the five year plan or the four year plan or whatever it was is now probably about what eight or nine years now. I guess it's getting towards. Um, it's a fair age. Yeah, we had some luck. I think that his idea to get Ivan Cleary was a fantastic idea. He he saw one of the younger coaches that had been successful at a similar sort of club and targeted him and got him. What he did after that is, you know, sack and Cleary, I thought was a bad idea. Then sacking um, Anthony Griffin while we sat, I think, fourth on the ladder at the time, I thought was a bad idea at the time as well. But then it's kind of not as compounded because he got Cleary back, and I think Cleary was a good coach in the beginning. Um, We've had a little bit of luck on top of that. I think that the way that he started to manage the roster was not ideal in terms of it started to be, and we would joke about this, you sign a player for four years because you can get rid of him after 18 months and pay him to play for Parramatta. Um, so there, there was a lot of things that I didn't agree with at the upper level of the goal is to win a premiership, and I didn't think that we were doing things to win the premiership. But in terms of, taking the club from its lowest ebb and getting it back working again as a football team. He 100% did that. I will forever be grateful for him doing that. I think he was the right man at the right time and he did the job and Panthers fans should be very thankful for that. And I think he did. He got to that point where he had done the job and it was time for him to move on and it was time for the club to move on. And I think that happened. Um, you know, and I think that I think I've said everything that needs to be said in, in terms of what, what I think he did for the Panthers. Very thorough. Thank you. I try. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got another one from Ash. Ash was sending emails all the time. It's great, Ash. Good work. One of the illustrious knuckleheads on Fox Sports recently suggested that the Titans should look at to big sp- 
to spend big money on securing a decent hooker as the top priority. What happened to Nathan Peets and Mitch Rain? Have they both fallen off the radar due to poor form or succumbed to long-term injuries? I actually think Nathan Peets is um, definitely worth hanging on to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they need a, a big hooker. I think or, I think Justin Holbrook's got a very, very good forward pack there. And Peets has just been unlucky with injuries. I'd... Um, I'd like to see Pete's fully fit with that forward pack before I think about getting rid of him. Um, yeah. And he just needs... I mean, the biggest problem there, obviously, is there's no direction in the halves. Yeah, I think that... I mean, them having... I think we might have said last year, like, having Pete's and, and Rain is like an embarrassment of riches at hooker. And, you know, they their games kind of complement each other well, well over 80 minutes. Um, Rain has had some really good games for them, especially this year. And I think that it hasn't been helped by the fact that the rest of the team's been a bit of a rabble. Um, I, I agree. I don't think they need to target anyone. In fact, if they, you know, kept those two, I think that that's fine. I, I don't see any problems with that. No, I think they're... As far as number nines go, I think they're perfectly fine. They don't need to make any changes there. Um, they just need to sort out their halves, and they've got, you know, they've got a few decent young blokes there hanging around. I think they just need to get one old head in there. Um, and I know Tyron Roberts isn't exactly a superstar or anything like that, but he is an experienced head. He's a pretty consistent performer. He's a, that's the sort of thing you want to have in there. Not Blake Green because he doesn't do anything, but you need someone with experience who can keep the young guys under control that has that cool, calm head on him. Because um, the unfortunate thing for Ash Taylor is he hasn't had that guiding hand mm-hmm. and he's just been left to his own devices for too long. Yeah, I don't know if you can rectify that with a by putting an, an experienced half next to him or not. Um, because he does look like he's got potential. But the problem is you can't you can't live off potential for all of these years. At some point you've got to cash it in and, and show it. Yeah, and there's the the whole thing of like when you you've played a certain number of years and your experience is bad experience. And I was talking about that the other day with the you know, these Panthers youngsters right now, their experience that they're getting is like the best experience you can possibly get of like hanging in games. Don't give up. Um, you know, don't you play the whole 80 minutes, just that, just basic stuff like that. And I think that you get someone like an Ash Taylor where you, I mean, he doesn't, he's never really experienced winning. He doesn't really know anything else other than what the Titans are going through right now. And at some point, you're the player that you are. And, you know, I mean, I guess you can go to another club and resurrect your career at some point, but it doesn't happen for everyone. No. Um, Just so you you know, he's won 34% of his games. He's played 91 games. Yeah. I mean... And he's 25 yeah, it's not like he's a young dude. Well, he's, look, he's a young dude, but it's not like he's twenty. No, I mean this is a this is the age where you start delivering on that potential, mm. and it's just not happening. 
I don't know how that gets rectified. Yeah, I mean, do you, do, you, only... do you roll the dice and buy Kieran Foran? Even if Foran is injured and unable to play, he can mm. still be around Taylor, you know, during training sessions and talking to him and trying to guide him a little bit. Is that something that would help him? See, if, if I personally would, I think that um, I think the the Titans have to steer clear of players like that. I think that in the past that would be a very tight move, but I don't think they can do that anymore. Um, what other options are out there, though? Like an experienced that, half. I mean, the other option is probably going to be Blake Green. And look, that's the thing. I think that when I think when his career is up, I think it's just time for them to part ways. That's what I would say. If I if I worked at the Titans, I'd say, man, we got to we got to cop this salary until it's up, and then we need to look elsewhere. Because I just don't think you can continue along the same lines. Even if you were getting him at, you know, a third of what they're paying him, I, I just feel as though you've got to look in a different direction. Man, who time? Well, and that's the thing. And like, and the only place I would say that he could maybe go and fix fix it all is the Storm. <laughs> you know, and I say that about every player that's got. It's some sort of issue, but there's a reason I say it. Yeah, Bellamy's got a knack. Yeah. Put him in a system, make him make his job simple. Just say to him, I want you to do these three things really well for me. Don't worry about everything else. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen it happen time and time again with players. We have. That was a good email. Yeah. The only other one we've got is Spam. It's somebody Ooh. that is, it is, it is from an account that is Spam Tools, uh, and they want to donate. Let me see how many millions, eight million five hundred thousand United States dollars. Oh, um, for the work. So eight point five million US dollars was it? Yeah, yeah, and they they've put it in their will, and they're going to give it to us. Um, so that's very nice of them. Let's just um, check the conversion there. Yeah, how much does that get us? Uh, 11 point almost 11.9 million Aussie dollars delete that's not enough we need more than that so yeah that's all the emails that we have is there any chance you can just what we should do is set up a PO box yeah and just say look Hasbro would just save any dramas okay you take out whatever admin costs you need to incur from the uh, the amount you want to give us mm. Just write us a check and send it to this post office box. Just write it to cash, and we'll just, look after the rest. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's nice that someone was willing to put us in their will from Spambot. Must be an absolute fan of the show. They must be. So that's eleven point eight nine million in the kitty. What are you going to do with your millions? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to buy David for feeder. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is why I can't have money because <laughs> can you imagine like David Fafita is on the verge of signing a contract with the Titans and then it comes out that some idiot is going to pay him 1.3 million bucks a year to just not play with the Titans <laughs> <laughs> you give him as a free agent just say I'm going to make him play for Parramatta this weekend yeah 
I'm yeah, that'd be a good idea. I think I would like to buy. Let's see. I'll buy the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah. And then I'd put Darius Boyd at five eight to make him captain again. I'd probably extend his his contract as well for another five years. Yeah. Um, get Ash Taylor in there. Yeah. Give him another million dollar contract. Yeah. He can be the halfback. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Bird's had a rough trot. Um, so he needs a he needs a contract upgrade. Yeah. Got to look after him. He's been injured. It's not fair. Yeah. Exactly. Um. They do need some forwards, so I might get Russell Packer up there. Mm-hmm. Um, who else I need to clean out the West Tigers? Um, Chris McQueen, he can go up there. We've got a good deal up there. He's due for some good games. Uh, Josh Reynolds. Yep. Uh, and Moses and Bai, like They need an origin-quality centre. Yeah. Especially when uh, they've uh, moved into the halves. Yeah. And um, they, it'd be good for them to have Moses and Bai as well. Oh, yeah. He's... Well, he's going back to his home state. Yeah. It's going to be good for him as well. Um, so, yeah, that'd be, I reckon that'd be a good idea. Yeah, I like that idea. And, you know then, and then I'd sell my sell my stake in the in the business mm-hmm. before the season starts. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to sell at the highest point you can. Yeah, sell recover high. Recover most of my money. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be there too long. No. <laughs> I don't want to lose too much too fast. Neither are the Broncos at this rate. And then um, I'd probably put my $11 million that I've re- you know returned back, I'd probably put it all on the Broncos to win the wooden spoon the following year. I think you, yeah, you, and you definitely, at the odds that they would have, you'd probably double your money. Yeah. I'd also make uh, Seabot's contract ironclad. Yeah, lock that right in. Lock that sucker right down. Yeah. Um, get Stephen Kearney in there as an assistant. Matthew Elliott as head of football. Oh, yeah. Got to get Matty Elliott in there as head of football. Yeah. That'd be great. Jason Taylor can be an assistant coach. Yeah. Yeah. These are all great ideas. I like these ideas. There you go. You know, I've always said if I if I was rich enough, you know what I would do is, uh, you know, at New Year's Eve, how Sydney City Council, they... It's it's so funny. They'll say like, "Oh, we 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 love having green, you know, environment and stuff like this." And then every year they blow up five million bucks worth of fucking <laughs> explosives, yes. and they say because it's like promotional, um, and, and they beat their chests about it. I would always spend one hundred thousand dollars more on fireworks, but do it out the back of Penrith like a Castle Ray or something. So, because I would have a compound, you know, I wouldn't have a, a, a anything other than the compound. And I would set off like five and a half million bucks worth of fireworks <laughs> every New Year's Eve just to stick it up Sydney City Council and be like, you think you got the best fireworks? Watch this. <laughs> Watch this shit. That would be amazing, hey? That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. See, I remember a few years back, the only time I bothered to watch fireworks on TV and it was the fireworks in Melbourne mm-hmm. and it just ended up setting fire to shit yeah <laughs> for one of this on the art centre it's got this big spear yeah. you know spear or whatever they call it that goes up into the air and they put fireworks on top there and the last one went off and then just it stayed alight just started burning the very top of it oh really <laughs> oh yeah. that's fantastic it's so sad for Melbourne like because 
Sydney Harbour is kind of set out like perfect for fireworks events. Like you couldn't set up a, there's just nowhere in the world that is just so perfectly set up. You've got this big structure, you can put everything on. It's lined by two sides of the harbour. It's over water. It's just beautiful. It's exactly what we want. But, and but like Melbourne's got Melbourne, the, they've got the Yarra River. It's got the, the, the train station and the, the, the um, they've got a bridge, the, the Balti Bridge. Oh, there was it's, a, just, it's just got four pylons. There was a a <laughs> news article. The it was not a news article. It was a news segment on one of the news shows about a week and a half ago, and they were talking about some iconic laneway in Melbourne that was like no one was there drinking coffee in because of COVID. And I'm like, this shit ain't fucking iconic anywhere. What are they talking about? Oh yeah, the the laneways in the city that all smell like piss, and they've got graffiti all over the walls and there's rubbish in the cobblestone pathways and but they're world famous the idea of walking down there if it's not the middle of the day and well lit is somewhat terrifying (laughs) (laughs) all you do is walk around constantly you know checking all your perimeters and (laughs) making sure no one's behind you you're kind of walking around like the t-1000 in terminator 2 Constantly got your head scanning the whole area all the time. Dude, that sounds like my fucking entire childhood growing up in Mount Druid, all right? I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. That's how you walk around from where I'm from. <laughs> it's like if you're not watching where you're going, you'll wake up somewhere. Well, it's a bit foreign to a country boy who just walks around outside and there's no one out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, you've got to look around make sure there is no one there. Yeah. Um, yeah, because these laneways, they're full of coffee that... Apparently, he's, he's world-class, but it's just coffee that tastes like coffee. But that train yeah. station, that's iconic, that train station. Yeah, you know what's iconic about it? Well, they don't wash it. <laughs> Look at the roof. It's, it's green with black spots all over it, like that hasn't been washed for ages. Oh, really? They just paint over the dirt. <laughs> Every fifty years, let's just paint over the dirt, make it look new again. They just paint yeah. it yellow. I'm like, wait yeah, a minute, they paint special. it yellow. Yeah, it's a yellow color. So, so it's not sandstone. It's just painted yellow. Well, they might paint the sandstone on it. I don't know. It oh, looks like geez. it's painted yellow when you go near it. Oh, really? That's yeah. terrible. It, mate, it's it's a horrible station. Yeah, it's a train station for fuck's sake. They're all horrible. The only train station that I can say I've ever really been impressed with is the one where you turn up at Circular Quay and you pull in and all the the windows are there. So when you're pulling in on the train, it's like, man, I'm on a train, you know. But then it's like, oh, my God, this is Sydney Harbour Bridge. Look at that. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty good. But that's it. There's no other one. Oh, and then Mount Druitt Station because, like, you're like, oh, look at that. I might go over and get a kebab. If I can make it over there. <laughs> and then you've got the courthouse a little bit further down. You're going, you know, the most... you've got your AVOs you've got to go and sit in court with. And it's like, oh, I've been here again. It's great. The most daunting train station I've been to is Victoria Station in London. Oh, really? Why was that daunting? Uh, it's about the size of a state. Oh, really? <laughs> Went there once for a practice track. We had to go there for a, a, a bus tour or something like that the following day. We went, okay, we're going to go there. Yeah. We're going to find where we're going to go. We're going to 
get everything down so we know where we've got to walk because this thing is massive. Yeah. And we're there walking around going, okay, we just got to go from there to hang on, where we come from? How do we get back? Oh, shit. <laughs> we figured re- it out in the end, but yeah, it is it is massive. You know, I remember when I was in England and I was I had everything in this giant suitcase. I, I shouldn't have taken a giant suitcase, but I took a giant suitcase. And I was on the the platform, I think it was at Manchester train station, and uh one of the wheels fell off the my my um suitcase. No, one of the wheels fell off the suitcase, right? And so this this guy sees it. And he's like, oh, let me get that for you. And as he bends down to get it, he accidentally boots the fucking thing off onto the train tracks. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I, like, I admit it was trying to get it. I was like, it's all right. And then he walks off. So the rest of my trip, I had to drag around my suitcase with one fucking wheel <laughs> and the rest of it dragging on the ground because of that dickhead. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And the problem with having a big suitcase in England, for those who have never been there, is the when you actually go to a hotel room, there's only enough room for either you or the suitcase. <laughs> you can't have both. <laughs> I should tell, have I told my story? I think I've told my story about when I stayed in Manchester for the grand final. Yes, yes, that was a classic. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, England. It's, I don't know, I, I really do like it. And for all its quirky reasons, I want to go back. <laughs> you know apart from the fact that the pandemic is just running wild over there like they just don't seem to wow look do, i've doing i've nothing. proven that i'm i'm just i'm impervious to it for some reason at the moment yeah it's weird i catch it's every weird. other fucking virus there is i can't catch this one i'm starting to think it you were the petri dish last year getting sick all the time that made it that's possible yeah I'm starting to worry that I might be the I might be the uh, the cure for it. <laughs> some some doctor's going to come around and start fucking taking needles of my blood and shit out of me. Yeah, imagine that. He's the cure. He's the cure. You wake up on a gurney in some bloody facility and they're like pumping pumping your blood out. <laughs> fucking leave me alone. That'd be fucked. I'd have to get another podcasting partner. <laughs> Only for a week or so. Yeah, I guess they'd probably bring you back eventually. Yeah, they wouldn't let me die because they'd need me. Yeah. they. What's that uh, thing that they use in, in the movie Men in Black where they... they oh, that little red up. light thing. Yeah, what's that called? I can't remember. Neuralizer? Neuro- yeah, something like that. Yeah. They use one of those on you. Want to be a big bastard? Yeah. Do you imagine... That will render this podcast, I hope, if it fries too much of my brain, I have to lose all my uh, rugby league knowledge. Yeah, you could work for Fox Sports, then. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, George right about then. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, you'd be straight. You'd have to, you'd have to pinch your stuff. Ah, it probably happened anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many times you can, you know, pinch a thing that, where you start, you know, go on my website, it's like, really? He's talking about the palms again? I <laughs> uh, see. It's, it's good to have a niche. Yeah, it is. It is. Imagine if they, they take you in and they say, look, Andrew, you got the cure for COVID. Are you willing to help us, you know, inoculate the world for COVID? 
And you're like, yeah. And you, you get your arm out and you're like, just take all the blood you want. And they're like, you've got to take it out rectally. <laughs> and so the whole world knows. So, right, well, a trillion dollars is the starting price. <laughs> and I'm willing to ne- negotiate upwards from there. Like when they've got parades and stuff, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> let it be known i'm willing to help there i just want all of the money that's ever been made that's right yeah i want to be able to make sure that i've got more money than what the us owes yeah i i want (laughs) the money that they've been finding in like gravel pits from ancient rome you know i want it all that's ever been made exactly and then i'll give every australian don't know, ten grand. Oh, pump the brakes, Scott Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be my way of saying, I'll give you ten grand if you vote for me in the next election, and I'm going to create my own political party. No, oh, you got to be careful. Anytime someone creates a political party, they end up in jail. Weirdly enough, <laughs> they... well, I'll have all the money. Who cares? Have you noticed that? I'll, I'll run the country from jail. <laughs> That's the way to do it. You know, any self-censor. No. <laughs> Andrew, if I was going to uh, Manscape, where would be the best place to go to get some equipment for something like that? Oh, I was going to say, what, what part of your body? I mean, if I'm going to be doing um, rectal donations, I have to start with the ass first. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But, um, if you want to get the best equipment for that, you've got to go to manscaped.com. I reckon if there was, is there some code I can put in to get 20% off? There is, yes. What is that code? Ah, NRL. NRL. Yeah, you just That's go to the, code. You, you, you buy everything they've got for sale there. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the checkout, you type in NRL and you just get 20 bucks, 20% off the whole lot. And free shipping. Free shipping. 30, um, 30 day money back guarantee. Yeah. Free, free blades every three months. Shipped it's amazing. You. you get to put powder on your balls. Or if you've got a significant other, they can put the powder on your balls. Oh, They'll yeah. want to. They will. They will. They'll enjoy doing it to your balls. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just be like, they'll, they'll, you know, and then they'll get the revitalizer and stuff and they'll be like, all on your balls. It'll be great. That would be fantastic. Manscaped.com, go there, put in our code, NRL. We chose that code for you, people. Get 20% off and we guarantee. And if you get one, let us know and tell us what you think about it. We'll read your reviews of Manscaped uh, equipment, you know, all day. It'll be great. Bloody yes. And uh, also, we'd like to see your reviews for our podcast. That would be cool too. Get them out there. We'll read them out and we'll put them up on the website. So long as you make them nice, mm-hmm. give us a click on the old five stars as well. It all helps. Um, you know, subscribe to us as well on your podcast listening devicement, and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. That'd be fantastic. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod, on Instagram Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Facebook as well. We're on LinkedIn. Um, 
we might try and find some other social media things just for the fucking hell of it to put it on there as well. Who cares? Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah, there's, there'll be some other ones as well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, go there. Follow us on all those things. The Facebook page has been getting a few more likes, which is pretty cool. Um, and I put up a poll earlier on the Twitter feed. Do people want to hear um, a weekly NRL preview for each round? Um, and it's just, you know, two choices. Yes, I want them. No, I don't. Um, let us know what you think about that because we're tossing up having just a quick preview of each round of games and, and so, yeah, we're interested to see what you think about that. Absolutely. So, great idea. Look at you. You, can get, you can get involved and is it, uh, interactive with the podcast that way. Yeah, view of feedback. And we try and interact with our our listeners as much as we can because um, they're great. I mean, the numbers are, are ridiculous at the moment. It's it's kind of staggering, hey? It's fantastic. And at the moment, we've got 109 votes in on that poll and 798 have said, yes, great idea. Okay. Oh, cool. hang on. That, that's for the Sonny Bill Williams one, sorry. What's the other poll? It, what, it, it, I put it up today. Yes, yes to round previews. 26 votes, 73.1% said yes. Okay, that's pretty good. Have you seen how many polls I've put up recently? I think it's more on my feed where there is zero clear winner. Like, they've all been, like, neck and neck. <laughs> It's been really crazy. Oh, so if anyone's got like six or seven accounts, <laughs> get on there and spam one vote option and give us a clear-cut view. Please. Because like, there's been so many questions I've put on there. Like, okay, I'll let, I'll let everyone that follows us decide. And it's like, now I'm more confused than ever. Yeah, they can't decide. Yeah. But it sounds like people want rev- uh, previews, so... Um, yeah, should keep doing it, I guess. There we go. Got to give the people what they want. They want more, we give them more. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Well, on that note, it's been another great episode. You did good, Andrew. Yeah. Not, Not bad for a guest. A guest? Come on, dude. I'm not having that talk. Well, you've, you've been on much more episodes than I have of this show now. <laughs> yeah, but that's still our podcast. Jesus. It should be called The Freak and Occasionally Fergo's Podcast. Listen, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I like how you have a guest host to come on with you every now and then. <laughs> Imagine if I got killed for some reason and, like, you had to find somebody else. That would take, like, fucking hours. Hours? Yeah. You know who'd be good at it? Mama Shark. She'd step right in. She'd she'd be like, I've been waiting for this to happen. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, there you go. That took took literally minutes. Almost minutes. Yeah. That was was seconds. You've already named your replacement. Yeah. You got to let her know. When I die, and like, what time is it now? Um, she's the replacement. Alrighty. Done. <laughs> hey, everyone, wear a mask. Just wear a bloody mask. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're in Victorian, listen to this. Yeah. Wear a mask. Also, don't be dickheads to, to people working in shops or nurses or medics or first responders and that sort of shit. Don't be fuckheads to them. 
yeah, put your phone away, idiot, and just wear a mask and just get yeah. what you need. You're not special. You're not a unique and delicate flower. Just fucking do what you need to do and stop being an arsehole. Because let's be clear, if you want to have an argument with a company, then have the balls to go and speak to the person who owns the company. Don't take it out on the fucking staff that's on about 20 bucks an hour. Exactly. They're, not, they're not there to deal with your horse shit. They don't yeah. give a fuck about your opinion. You, you know. Karen. Yeah. So if, you've got, if, if you genuinely want to have a whinge about it, have some fucking spine about you and go talk to someone who can actually do something about it. Leave the bloody staff alone. Wankers. <laughs> well said. And on that note, stay happy, everyone. This has been a cheery episode. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you all next time.